forever. Dog. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in time to tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. This is it. This is how a podcast starts. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves on the microphones and tell us where the listener may have seen your name on their television screen. And Lauren, let's start with you. Uh, my name is Lauren LaFranc. Uh, I have worked on shows like Chuck, um, Hemlock Grove, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And for the past two years, I've been show running a show called Impulse on uh, YouTube Premium. Can you tell us a little bit about Impulse for people who have not seen it? Uh, sure. Um, so Impulse is really a story about a young woman who moves to a small town. She suffers from seizures. Um, she gets in a truck with a boy and it starts out like a good experience and then he sexually assaults her. And in that moment, um, she teleports out of the truck. She has a seizure and it turns into a teleport and she ends up crushing the truck on the boy and he becomes paralyzed. And so it follows her journey trying to discover what this new power she has is. Um, and obviously we delve a lot into sexual assault and trauma. Um, and it's on its second season now. Great. Congrats. Hi, I'm Sara Saidi. And uh, the very first show I was on, I don't think anybody would ever remember it. It didn't last very long. It was a half hour comedy called The Goodwin Games on mm-hmm. Fox. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a great first job to have, but um, had a couple of dry spells after that show. So I decided I was going to try my hand at one hour instead of comedy. And that's been a much better space for me. <laughs> Why um, do you think that is? Um, I don't know, honestly. I, I I love comedy. And I feel like when I would go into meetings, people were expecting somebody that was either stand up or had done like a lot of UCB or improv. Oh. And that's kind of not my personality. And so I felt a little bit like I was competing for jobs with performers and not just writers. Um, And I've worked on a lot of lighter dramas. So it's Mm -hmm. been like a very happy medium. Um, So I was on a show called iZombie for three seasons. And then uh, most recently, I was on Grand Hotel on ABC. And then um, right now I'm writing for Katie Keene, which is the Riverdale spinoff on the CW. Great. Ashley Mark. All right. Uh, I'm Ashley Lyle. And my writing partner here is Bart Nickerson. Um, I'm not sure how we're supposed to tag team our credits. <laughs> we can go back and forth. So we we started, our first job was on um, a show called The Originals mm-hmm. on the CW, which was the Vampire Diaries spinoff. From that... Uh, I'm Bart Nickerson, um, and uh, we're also sharing um, a microphone. Um, so, um, and then... So I started on the originals too, and then we moved to Narcos, and then we moved to. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I guess technically, then we moved to Narcos, Mexico. Although they didn't tell yeah. any of us writers that that was going to be a different show. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, so as far as we were concerned, we worked on seasons three, four, and five <laughs> of Narcos. Um, oh, I guess no. IMDb begs to differ, but uh, I think that's a little bit of a Netflix thing. Yeah. A, ne- and, a Netflix scam. A Netflix scam, pretty much. They're like, oh no, we have uh, two seasons of a brand new show yeah. called Narcos colon Mexico. <laughs> and uh, after that, we most recently were on an upcoming show on AMC called Dispatches from Elsewhere that is coming out in, I believe, February or March. It's created by Jason Siegel. He's an amazing experience but we actually had to leave it a little bit early after writing we wrote three episodes and then we left to do a 
pilot for Showtime that I will let Bart introduce. Here's <laughs> the mic. Um, yeah, it's called uh, Yellow Jackets, um, and it is um, about, um, well, uh, there are two timelines, uh, one of which is set in uh, 1994. And I mean, should I just do the premise? Is Whatever that, you like. Yeah. <laughs> well, Give it away. Yeah, uh, so um, it is about uh, the 1994 girls, uh, high school girls, a soccer team uh, that is uh, taking a plane to a, a national tournament uh, flying from New Jersey to Oregon. Uh, they crash uh, in the wilderness somewhere um, and spend um, a certain amount of time surviving. And then we follow <laughs> uh, sort of two timelines, uh, one of which will be that um, time in uh, the wilderness and the survivors 25 years later. Awesome. And so that brings us up so to great. today. I'm so, so excited. excited. That. That's been so good. Um, <laughs> let me ask, I'll, I'll stick with you two for a minute because my first question for all of you is what you did this week. What is happening right now? And I imagine you are in the thick of things right now. We are, yeah. We are, as of tomorrow, four weeks out from the first day of production. Oh um, so what does that look like? What do your lives look like they in that, that are, week? Crazier than I ever anticipated. <laughs> I say that having, you know, done a lot of production in the past, but a pilot is just a different ballgame. Mm -hmm. How so? You're building everything from the ground up. So, you know, just hiring, staffing up, you know, hiring all your department heads. We've we've somehow managed to put together a really incredible team. So that part has been actually very smooth sailing. Uh, we have an incredible director, Karin Kusama, who... Um, She's directed a bunch of feature so films. She did most recently Destroyer. She yeah. did The Invitation. She did Jennifer's Body, which is one of That's my right. personal favorites. <laughs> um, and she is a wonderful person. So we have, it's just been a dream Good. as far as that goes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, so at this point we've, we've really, you know, we've crewed up in terms of, we have our production designer, costume designer, composer, music supervisor, lead editor, um, AD, line producer, all of that. Um, so right now our days look like, well, this week we spent a lot of time scouting. So mm -hmm. we're still finding some locations. We're shooting here in Los Angeles. Okay. So we're shooting at uh, Los Angeles, Fort, New Jersey, and Canada. <laughs> oh, good. That is, this, yeah. this is the first time this has ever I happened. Think it might be the first, we might be the first people to be embarking on that That's uh, so funny. particular journey. <laughs> And so this week we were scouting a lot of our wilderness locations. So we went out to Buckhorn Campgrounds, which is in Los Angeles Crest. And then we also went to Mammoth. So we're really crossing our fingers for Mammoth because Mammoth is beautiful. Yeah. And it really does feel very remote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so neat. Yeah. I mean, it is like a, um, a, a strange experience because it's like you sort of um, – it is in a lot of ways almost like the inverse of uh, writing in that like it's like – the days are very long, but like each like moment is like a less intense. I, I guess maybe also like a lens to view this through as I have like a very conflicted relationship to the act of uh, writing <laughs> um, where I find uh, very little joy in it. Um, um, and so like it, like it is weird and uh, different and like pressurized and um, again, like, yeah, just like inverse ways. I feel like I'll be able to have this conversation better like a like a year from well, now let's, while, while we're on the subject <laughs> let's let's go to lauren on this um because you've done this you you yeah. were here two seasons ago yeah um tell me a little bit about exactly the stuff that ashley was touching on with like finding those department heads and making sure that this the thing that's being shot was the thing that was in your head yeah it's very stressful um i mean i think you know i actually i came on after our pilot was shot uh, oh, okay. for impulse and I did reshoots for it and stuff when I came on and then by the time the pilot got picked up 
all the people who had worked on the pilot pretty much were gone. So it was like, again, yeah. kind of staffing up, which may, may or may not happen to you guys. Um, <laughs> and that was crazy because it was the room was starting and we were hiring department wow. heads. And so you're trying to like start the writer's room after you've just staffed that up. And then you're also trying to find great department heads. And then we shot in Toronto. And so everything's remote because our, our room was in L.A. Um, and so that added a complication, especially because anybody I knew was L.A. based. And so Toronto just opened up a whole other world for me. But wow. thankfully, we had such a great crew. Um, so, yeah, it was really crazy. I mean, <laughs> the amount of multitasking that you do, you're like, I didn't think I could humanly do this. Um, and sometimes you kind of can't. And then you rely on people who are very good at what they do mm -hmm. um, and just let them do it, you know, um, but it's it's a very chaotic, crazy process, and it doesn't end. I mean, I remember when I <laughs> sorry, I know I want to like hold you guys or something. That's not awkward. But I remember when I got the showrunning gig, I called all my friends who were showrunners, uh, and they all gave me varying pieces of advice. All of them said how hard it was, and I was like, okay, well, I've been I've been a writer on a, on so right. many shows. Like, I feel like I'm pretty prepared and ready as one can be. And then it really was very eye-opening, and I suddenly just had, you know, tremendous more respect. I already had respect for all the people who had been showrunners, but tremendous mm -hmm. more respect because it's just so crazy. And it's great you guys are a team because doing it and having a partner in it is so helpful. You can tag team. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty – it's like you're being thrown to the wolves, but it's really awesome. <laughs> but it's yeah, really I, insane. I was going to ask, like, what advice can you give them? What advice can you give to Sarah and I who, you know, hopefully will be doing this in the yeah. next year or two? It sounds like the best advice is you don't know how hard it is. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, what I did is I tried my best to take the lessons that I learned from people like good mm -hmm. and bad, truthfully, sure. um, and just tried to remember that what's so important is to respect your writers when you're in that situation and to try to lead by example and take care of everybody around you. And then really like find great people and trust them mm -hmm. and delegate when you get the opportunity to. Um, you know, and do your best to keep your head about you. Uh, yeah. it's, yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like so much learning by doing. Yes, it is. I mean, it's like when you go to set, if you, if yeah. you've never been to set and you suddenly go to set and you're like, where's video village? What is that? <laughs> and then you find video village and then suddenly, you know, now the day two, you go and find video village and you did that. So now you know that much. It's kind of like that every day you learn something new yeah. and you maybe don't reflect on it. Um, maybe ever or until you go to therapy for so many years after. Yeah. Um, and you were talking just before we move on a little bit before we started rolling about the casting process right now, which is, it seems so intense to me. Um, you know, again, you were living with this thing in your brains. You had a conception of who these people were, what this world was. Um, so tell me a little bit about contending with that. I know you got Melanie Linsky, who is yes. the best. Uh, who's a pal we're so excited every time casting seems like an insurmountable mountain to climb. I just sit back and I go, Melanie Linsky, Melanie Linsky, yeah. Melanie Linsky. <laughs> She'll make it great no matter what. Yeah. That's a weird uh, thing to say a lot. I know. It's my, it's my little mantra now her. and I Beetlejuice. hope she doesn't listen to this because it might creep her out. <laughs> she knows. She knows. It's, it's a mantra for many of us. Yes. Um, yeah, no, we bit off a lot with this one. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because after spending so many years on different shows and being very conscious of production when we're writing for some reason that didn't occur to us when writing our own pilot <laughs> and you know that it's really the dual timeline that's been making this a challenge because 
Well, it's that plus it's it's really an ensemble. So mm -hmm. it's it's a big cast, and not only is it a big cast, we've got this entire team, but we're casting a lot of them both as teenagers in high school and 25 years later as women in their early 40s. So you have to find everybody twice yeah. and you have to make sure that they believably look enough like each other that, you know, we're not going to throw everyone for a loop or it's not going to take people out of the experience. And that's it's been a challenge. It's been a real challenge. We have it's coming together. It's been a slow process. We just cast. I think I can say this because I think the cast, if this doesn't air for a couple of weeks, I think the okay. casting announcement is coming out this week. But we <laughs> cast one other character. We found um, an incredible actress named Tawny Cypress, who she was on House of Cards. She was on Rescue Me. And then the teen version of her, who we also cast, is um, an actress named Jasmine Savoy Brown, who was on The Leftovers. Yeah. And they are both fantastic oh good so we're really excited we got we got our first full pair and that <laughs> is great. very exciting for us right now i bet i mean seeing it come together those puzzle pieces come together has yeah. to be satisfying there's a lot of pictures that have been printed out <laughs> and are being put on boards in various different formations and it's it's a it really is a puzzle it feels like we're playing tetris to some extent yeah um but we we're putting bodies in seats and We've got four weeks left, so we're oh going to have to put a lot more in seats really quickly. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And it's I find it to be one of the more difficult parts because hmm. there's something emotionally draining to me about like we go in for the most part and sit in these casting sessions. And so for three hours at a clip, you're sitting there in a very small room and people come in and they act their hearts out for you. And it's... You know, we try to be really respectful. We try to always give some adjustments, some notes. It's it's us. It's Karn. It's our producer, Drew. Sometimes the studio exec is there. We've got our, our casting team there. So I imagine that it's sort of an intimidating room yeah. to walk into. And so I just always feel so deeply for people. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, especially with the younger ones, they're, they're very visibly nervous. And then oh. I get nervous for them. And it's a <laughs> whole situation. Oh, my gosh. Um, but it's fun when you see people who are really talented. Yeah. And, you know, those are the moments. It, it sounds like such a cliche. But we also we cast someone who I don't know when that is going to be announced. Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to say it. But we cast um, one of our main teenagers. And she actually put herself on tape for us because she was shooting somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And we got through half of the first scene and said oh my god we have to cast that's her um that's awesome. so yeah that's there are amazing. those moments that are great i mean it is i'll say like i know a number of actors listen to this podcast and as much as we say it it bears repeating like we want to see you succeed we yeah. want the best person to come in and knock it out of the park and want to hire that person um sarah let's talk about what your week looked like at work what were you doing sure we were um writing episode seven of katie keen mm -hmm. and so for those of you who haven't heard of the show yet um it's a spinoff of Riverdale, the character Josie of Josie and the Pussycats. It's five years after Riverdale. So she's moving to New York City to pursue um, becoming a singer-songwriter. And Katie Keene, which is an Archie comic character um, played by Lucy Hale, is her roommate. And she's trying to become a fashion designer. So the show is about... Um, friends in their early 20s trying to make it um and i lived in new york city in my early 20s so it definitely thematically very much resonated with me um but yeah we were writing episode seven which is a, our musical episode which is kind of funny because the show sort of is a musical already mm -hmm. there's a lot of built-in <laughs> musical performances um but this is more like people breaking out into song um and it's it's amazing and i i have to say i think um Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa and Michael Grassi wrote the show together. Um, Roberto also runs 
Sabrina and mm-hmm. Riverdale, and he has such a specific look to all of his shows. Mm-hmm. And they really describe um, Riverdale as noir, um, Sabrina as horror, and Katie Keene as their romance. Mm. And it's just like a very beautiful looking show, oh, too. Cool. Um, and we talk about it being like the New York of our imagination. So it's very much kind of a throwback to the 80s and mm-hmm. the time of Andy Warhol. So it's been a lot of fun. Oh, that's neat. Um, tell me what uh, you haven't worked with Michael before, right? No. This is your first time in this this uh, Riverdale world. Yeah. Um, tell me about coming into that group and, you know, coming off of Grand Hotel and what you sort of were looking for or what you're bringing to that writer's room. Yeah, I mean, I think the greatest thing about working with Michael and Roberto is that they already have an established rhythm with each other, Mm -hmm. and they have two shows that um, are kind of well-oiled machines that have done really well. And so it's great to work for people that have a very specific vision, and they know what they want out of their writers, and they have a system that works for them. And, And what is that? Um, well, we do we do group write everything, which um, basically we break the episode together in the room, and then we do something called um, instead of an outline, we do a story area, but it's mm-hmm. it's essentially an outline because yeah. it's very detailed. Um, so we split everything up. We split it up either by acts or scenes, and then we go off into our offices and work on story beats, and then we come back, and then we blend the episode. So we put all the beats together, and then we split that up too. Wow. Um, so for instance, Thursday and Friday, I was working on uh, four or five scenes of episode seven. So mm-hmm. I have to say I've done both group writing, and I've done writing on my own, and I think it's it's good to have both experiences. I don't think it's good to stay in either world too long because then it's a little like right now I'm like oh is it going to be really hard to write an entire script by myself like if I get used to this but I will say I find group writing less daunting because you're not by yourself for a couple weeks just Mm -hmm. wondering if if if, like anything you're writing is making any sense Um, and I also like that there's days that you're in the room together and days that you're off writing there's a lot of variety to it Um, does the writer ever end up taking the script and doing their Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. So uh, you do get an episode assigned to you. And then once um, everyone's scenes are compiled, then it's up to that writer to kind of, you know, track everything and make it more cohesive and try and trim it down to a draft that we can shoot. Um, And then so you get to do a pass and then Michael and Roberto do a pass. Mm -hmm. So that group write is really to get the draft done. Yes, uh, exactly. In in an efficient way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does. I mean, we we get a draft put together in like two or three days, which is really, really fast. Yeah. And it seems like there's less pressure on any individual writer. You just need to get your scenes in a workable shape. Exactly. Uh, And I know it's not the final draft of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And yeah, it's a a really great show to work for, uh, write on. And I'm just excited for people to see it because I feel like it's, there's nothing really like it on television right now. Um, Are they sending writers to produce episodes? Are you going to set? Yeah, we're shooting in New York City, so I'm very excited for that. Um, And yeah, they're sending writers right now. We're currently shooting the fifth episode, so we're in the thick of it. Great. Yeah. We'll pick up there. Lauren, what did your week look like? Um, Well, I'm so excited because I finished on Impulse Season 2 like a few weeks ago. I did the last visual effects shot of Google. (laughs) Visual effects, guys. Do you have visual effects on your show? Yes. Okay. (laughs) It is just going to add so much time to post, um, obviously. But uh, yeah, so now I've just been, I've been taking meetings around town and and then hanging out with my son who's 21 months old, Mm -hmm. who I didn't get to see enough of, I think, in my opinion, um, when I was working. So it's been after really, I mean, season one, 
I got pregnant and then I was pregnant show running for the first time, had my son the last day of our production, like literally he came a week early. Um, And so then my hiatus last season was being a mom and being like, what's this kid? (laughs) How do I keep him alive? And then and then season two was, you know, just, okay. now I'm a working parent. And like, what is that? And so this is my first quote unquote hiatus or who knows how long it'll last um, where I can actually be a human being where I feel a little bit like I can take a breath which I'm very excited about so it is not it has not been crazy busy compared to yeah prior are there are you finding that even when work is not happening work is happening I mean like are you able to step away or do you have to start thinking about either a next season or what's next for you um, that's a good question. It's hard for me to fully, yeah, not work, I guess, in my head. Um, I mean, I, we don't know if there's going to be a season three and if it is, if it would be on YouTube because YouTube is right. um, a big old question it's mark. All changing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's tricky because it's always, you know, how much am I going to let my mind go into these rabbit holes? Um, what's healthy, what's not. <laughs> uh, and then it's also like, what kind of thing would I like to do next, yeah. regardless of it, whether it comes back or not, because I'm kind of in that place now. Um, so yeah, so I mean, my brain's always problematically working. <laughs> I wish it didn't as much. I wish I knew how to shut it off better. But yeah, I think we are sort of all afflicted with that, right? Yeah. It's part of why we do what we do. Yeah, that's why we don't like to write. Right? <laughs> now yeah. let's talk about this for a minute. Yeah. Bart. <laughs> tell us a story, Bart. Tell us about <laughs> not liking to write. Um, yeah. What, I mean, what part of it don't you like? What part do you like? Okay. Well, the part that I guess I uh, like and I guess how this happened um, was actually the part that uh, you were describing is the sort of like the idle like mulling of ideas or like how about this thing? Like, like I guess like I do find that actually like pleasurable when you're at like the more like macro abstracted mm-hmm. like you know just even like small ideas so like that sort of a, a, a rumination period I guess I find very enjoyable and then there's the part where you have to like it's time to sit in front of the computer and do it and um I guess I thought a lot about why I don't like it I don't have a good answer <laughs> other than it is just like I guess like it just feels like a siege of like <laughs> just like yeah just like I, like it like like i also find it like just like mentally uncomfortable the like holding hmm. um the ideas and like trying to sort of like i always say this word and it, like i always feel weird about it but like the slight like a disassociative like state that you are, are trying to like enter where you're sort of like having ideas like come and flow like i find it um yeah, like I find it weird and it's hard to like be in that and also in the sort of like analytical part of your brain to actually like turn mm-hmm. it into like a sentences and words that people like are coherent. So um because that's a long but way you, of so I don't know. You yeah. work with a partner um, <laughs> yes. and you yeah. two have been working together for your whole career. Um does that take the pressure off of you or do you still feel like I have to make this A plus for Ashley? Oh, no, I, I mean, it um, It definitely helps a lot because, you know, you like it does give like a little bit of like a sidestep to that first level yeah. of like insecurity. That's like, well, like this doesn't have to be the thing. There right. is like a, a, somebody else to play goalie on like terrible ideas. <laughs> that's a great um, way to put it, too. Yeah. So like, that is how it feels writing with uh, a partner. Uh, I think. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm 100 um, <laughs> percent. But that doesn't always like it's just yeah like it's just that first level and like I might actually be like a little bit uh, 
rare in this is that like just like you know like I just love hearing people talk about how much they hate to write and <laughs> but the thing and it is uh, one of my favorite things about uh, uh, like being in like a room is like when people like break off to write and then they're on episode but they still come in to use their office you'll just like see them in the kitchen <laughs> with just that like hunted look and you're just like yeah buddy yeah it's see, hard that's like so a thing right. about group writing you only have that look for a couple of days yeah, every yeah, couple yeah, of yeah. weeks yeah, sure, yeah. there's something yeah. to that yeah um, so Ashley do you feel the same? Are you able to throw yourself more into the actual writing part? What's it look like for you? I might hate writing more than Bart. Oh my God. You can't even talk about it. <laughs> I I have a lot of anxiety about writing and I love to have written. I, sure. I feel like I somehow black out every time. I feel like at this point, you know, we've we've written, I mean, not including pilots. I think 18 episodes of television in the past five or six years. And every single time I'm like, how do I, how do we do this? <laughs> what does the script look like? What, what is a script? Um, so how are you finding your way into things? I procrastinate. Mm -hmm. I procrastinate fairly significantly at first. Um, and then I just have to get to a point of sheer unadulterated panic that <laughs> I will not get it done. And then this is where I think having a partner really helps because what Bart and I have found is that we both have very different sort of strengths and, and mm -hmm. weaknesses. And Bart is a faster writer than I am. So back in the day when we first started writing and didn't know how to do it and didn't know how anything worked, we sort of a, in an adorably naive maybe way would, would both write everything. So we would kind of talk about, I know, it was the least efficient process you could possibly imagine. We would break, you know, the episode together and then we would have a quick conference about a scene and then would go off and would both write the scene. And then we would trade and would go, oh, okay. And weirdly, it would work really well because we would just cherry pick the best yeah. stuff from each version. And I think if we had infinite time, which we absolutely <laughs> do not now, we would probably still do that because it's it's liberating when you're writing to know that, oh, if I don't have a good line here, I don't have a good joke here, I don't know what to do with this part or I don't know how to end the scene, there's a really good, strong likelihood that the other person does. Mm -hmm. But now that we have you know much tighter deadlines and cannot do that, um, what we generally do is that Bart kind of does a first draft. Mm -hmm. And I, I tend to have a sort of more editorial approach. So I essentially and, and sometimes he'll just start ahead on the script. So I will mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start from the very beginning. He'll jump ahead a little bit. And then um, we just kind of go back and forth. And it's it's what works for us now. But I I don't trust people who say that they love writing <laughs> we had we had one uh one of the writers one of the co-creators of narcos doug who is um lovely he was hilarious but he'd be like hey guys i love writing and we're like you're a sociopath like how is that possible um i just want to add a quick uh, addendum like i mean ashley does a lot more in the second draft than just have like an editorial approach i, I mean like like, I feel like a thing that you're really good at is sort of like finding what the scene is like actually about and like restructuring it. And there's a lot of like a rhythm stuff and then just like a lot of like new stuff. I just don't. And and I frequently, yeah, I mean, I, and, and I, I find myself doing that, too. I work with a partner and like sometimes that doesn't feel like writing, which I it does feel like editorial, which I understand putting it that way. But yes, sometimes you need that stuff down so you can start to work with it. And that you have two of you means it's a whole new perspective on that new draft. Um, Sarah. Uh, first of all, do you like writing? 
I mean, I think I like my favorite part of writing is rereading stuff I've written that I'm like, oh, I kind of actually that was good. But but I do feel like I blacked out during the process of actually putting it together. Like, like that's the second this? time I've heard that. Today. Yeah, that's really funny. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I I definitely have a lot of anxiety before starting. Mm-hmm. I think the blank page, like a lot of writers, gives me a ton of anxiety. So there's a lot of procrastination that goes into it. I find the thing that I struggle with the most, um, like if if I have writing deadlines during the weekend. And I have two young kids, so I know that I can't get to it until mm-hmm. they go to sleep. And I'm basically like a monster the entire weekend because yeah. it's like it's weighing on me. And Absolutely. I'm thinking about I'm ruminating on it, but I just want to be able to sit down and do the work. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't I wouldn't say that I love the process of like sitting down and doing it. But once I do get into a flow, I start to enjoy it a little bit more. And you've written prose, too, we should say. Um, you have a great uh, memoir called Americanized, which I Thank really you. love, um, as well as young adult fiction. Um, is there a discernible difference for you, uh, either emotionally or in the process of writing prose? Yeah, I mean, I think I actually started writing books during my dry spell of getting mm-hmm. staffed because I just felt like I had to have something to do. And um, I also did it because I wanted to have IP that I could maybe develop for TV. So right. it was all sort of like tied into TV <laughs> so writing. So sad we have to think <laughs> exactly. about that. Right? You kind of have to write your own IP. Um, but I find the f- fiction writing books much harder than writing scripts because it's just more words to fill on the page although it's nice that you can go into the character's thoughts and you can mm-hmm. go on these tangents that you can't when you're writing a script um, I thought found writing the memoir probably the easiest because it's in your own voice you're mm-hmm. telling your own stories um, maybe the most challenging part about it was that I was also sharing details of other people's stories and wanting to make sure that I was respectful and that I wasn't going to be offending anybody, but that I was going to be honest at the same time. But that was probably the fastest thing I've ever... Mm -hmm. I mean, not faster than writing a script, but it came pretty easily. Um, The least painful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And I've... But then I've now developed that into a TV pilot, Mm -hmm. and that was a strange experience because it's sort of like taking a memoir and then doing a more fictionalized version of it that works for television. Um, So, yeah, it's been an interesting process. But I would say, I mean, writing a script is just faster and easier because it's less words to (laughs) fill. (laughs) Um, I want to pick up on some of that uh, stuff that you mentioned, but I want to wrap this up. Uh, Lauren, tell me about, uh, first of all, do you like writing? (laughs) Um, I mean... I do. I'm. I'm like Ashley, and probably everybody. I like having written. And there's some famous quote that I'm blanking Dorothy on right now Parker about that. Quote, yes, yeah. Dorothy Parker. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. As a showrunner now, I write so much more than I ever did, and I I wrote mm. a lot prior um, for a lot of the shows that I worked on. But I'm I'm touching everything, mm-hmm. and so I and because of the timeline, I can't really like fully go into that dark place Interesting. Um, because also I find it's my job to make sure no one else feels like they're going into a dark place um, and so what I try to do is empathize with every writer we all own the fact that we hate it and we love it <laughs> in moments but like love is like a weird word to use um, and the thing that I realized through my husband who's also a writer is you know I'd have these dark days in writing anything where I'm just like, this is bad. I'm a hack. I'm a total hack. I don't know how to do anything. And he was like, if you feel like you're a hack, you're not a hack. <laughs> if you feel like that, then right. you're being honest and like you're gonna, it's you're gonna get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regard, that's really helped me. I've just kind of owned that as a thing of this is part of my process of always yeah. kind of believing that this is garbage um, for a period of time, and then it'll it'll get better. Um, so yeah, but. Uh, 
yeah, I have not been able to really I, I like laugh at my former self, I guess, who used to be like, I'm on script, guys. Everyone, I'm on script. <laughs> I've got to work really hard for this period of time and I've got to make it great because I'm on script all the time. Right. And I'm like working with production and I'm t- doing tone meetings and I'm talking to the director of whatever episode. And it's that multitasking brain thing that's so crazy. And so for me, it's about carving time when I'm show running out to write. Mm-hmm. Away from the room and away from production, which has really been hard to find, oh, sure. but trying to make an effort to do that. So when you do carve out time, are you able to get into it faster and get the stuff done that you want to do? Like, have you trained your brain to do that? Kind of, yeah. I, I mean, you, you get to. into this weird routine. I like to write in the morning versus mm-hmm. the afternoon. If I start in the afternoon, I can't really get anything very effective yeah. done. So I'll go to a cafe a lot of the time in the, when, when we have our room and I'll ask my assistant to help me not have a million emails coming into my inbox. Yeah. And just, you know, if people are calling, unless it's an emergency, like just kind of allow me this time. And I like going to cafes because I don't know anyone there mm-hmm. and I don't have mm-hmm. to talk to them. Yeah. They don't need to see that look in my eye of <laughs> sadness. And I can just be in a little world, in my own little world for a chunk of hours. And then I go into the room yeah. um, and catch up if I I've missed something. Um, and that's not always the case. I'm not always writing. But when I need to, I try to do that and then try to do meetings sense. in the afternoon or just try to find room time and production time and writing time. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like so much about it. Even like we are not showrunners. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you feel the same way that like so much is about time management and getting a job is as hard as having a job, yeah. if not harder. And- Absolutely. And just day to day being like, what can I do to make the showrunner's job a little yeah. easier and not add more stress to the pile. Absolutely. What I have you found? <laughs> um, I mean, just, you know, at, taking whatever I can off their hands, which sometimes isn't much because there's so many different things that they're doing all at once. Um, but I think um, with with Katie Keene, you know, sometimes we just we'll just start spitballing ideas if Michael can't be there so that mm-hmm. we have something to give him when he does have time to be in the room with us. I think that's helpful. And um, a lot of us love to like research various things that we're um, breaking or working on in the room um, where if it's a, you know, a lot of the store takes uh, a lot of the show, sorry, takes place in a department store. Mm-hmm. So kind of looking into the history of department stores. Um, when we started on Katie Keene, Roberto and Michael actually gave us a long list of movies and documentaries and books that inspired them. So I think that was really helpful to yeah. get into the space that they were in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the best thing that you can do to help a showrunner, like I always, the way that I, the analogy that I use is like they're throwing the party and they they do want to make sure that everyone's having a good time. It's like you don't want to be throwing the party and there's that one person at the party that has no one to talk to or isn't having fun and you feel like suddenly you have to be responsible for them. So I feel like as much as you can be a positive presence in the room and always be dialed in and always trying to provide solutions, I think that's really the best thing you can do being on staff. That's great advice. Um, Let's talk about some staff experiences that you all have had and sort of what you learned from those and are taking to where you are now. Ashley and Bart, let's start with you. Was the originals the first staff job? <laughs> I'll, I'll take my one. answer off air. Sure. Uh, yes. So the originals was our very first job, and it was trial by fire in in the best possible way, actually. Um, Julie Pleck, who um, is great, we still in touch with her. I was just texting mm-hmm. her this week and asking her for some showrunner advice. Good. <laughs> And um, she's a big believer in a complete meritocracy. I mean, I think day one, she said, 
best idea wins. There is no hierarchy here. And it was actually a very low-level, heavy room. I think that hmm. it was us, Russo, Declan. Um, I think there were like five staff writers, an ESE, and then we only had a couple of upper levels. Wow. So it was just an immediate, you were thrown in, uh, dove in head first, and we actually got asked to write episode three. So Julie um, was writing, there was a backdoor pilot, and then she um, wrote episode one, and Mike Narducci, who um, was sort of the head writer and then subsequently kind of became the official showrunner of the show, wrote episode two, and they asked us to write episode three. We're like, okay, let's do it. And then they cross-boarded episodes one and three, so we got sent to set to cover set for the very first episode, having never been on a set before. (laughs) And that was really intense. I remember we definitely had that moment where they were like, okay, you guys are going to run the tone meeting. And we were like, what's a tone meeting? (laughs) Didn't know. Had to find out really quickly. Of course. Um, Bart, do you want to? Yeah, I I mean, um, I guess in terms of like being in the room, I guess um, I was just quickly in my head trying to make this concise and uh, I don't think it will be. Um, so I, I apologize. But um, it's like, I think that uh, one of the things I've learned to try to do in uh, uh, the room is like, try to get an answer to a question that you can't just like ask, um, which is like, like, why is like to the showrunner who's a, a, a show it is and I'm there to help them like execute their thing. The thing that I most need to like write really well for them is like why they think something is cool Mm -hmm. and like you often can't like articulate it so it's like i've got to like get like kind of like behind like their eyes uh, metaphorically and like see like what is the thing in that that's like pumping them up and making them exciting because it's not always obvious not because the idea is bad but just because like they're their own person i'm my own person like things that i instantly think are exciting they don't and kind of vice versa and so it's like really trying to like get into that like stream like just like (laughs) see it and like it's like 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 sometimes uh, you can feel it where it's like oh like i get this idea now and now i can really help you to execute it the way that you would if you had time if that makes sense and i imagine on a new show that's even harder i mean i i don't know how much of a target julie knew she had on the originals so to try to convey it to anyone it can be really difficult it was interesting because it was a spinoff. Right. So our main characters had been characters mm-hmm. on the uh, on the Vampire Diaries, um, Klaus and Elijah Michelson, for those people who watch the show. I don't know how much crossover there is between this podcast and audience. Okay. Um, so we had a starting place, at least. Yeah. But tonally, the originals was very different from the Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. You know, we always talked more in terms of, and a lot of this, I think, was Mike's influence. Um, he really wanted us to sort of be making the the boardwalk empire of, of vampire shows. And so Wait, there Boardwalk was, Empire wasn't a vampire it show? It was not, although imagine if it had been. <laughs> um, so yeah, there was a little bit of trial and error as, as we as sure. a group, you know, we're trying to figure out what this show was. Um, but I will say, I think that, and this was a lesson that we sort of took from that experience, was how important it is to put together a room of people who aren't just talented, but there are different talents that that factor in. There are some people who are great at pitching ideas. There are people who are great at writing drafts. There are people who are great on set. And ideally, everyone would be all three of those. But that's almost a little unrealistic, I think. And um, so there's sort of a money ball aspect. And then... 
I know we've talked to Mike about this um, extensively, but his big thing was just, are you nice? And it's huge because we, everybody stayed for the first three seasons um, pretty much across the board. It was a really tight knit group. They, you know, they all came to our wedding. Like it was sort of, it became a family. And I think that it was just a much more productive environment because of that, Mm -hmm. because you know, there are always personalities and, you know, people get on each other's nerves occasionally when everybody's stressed out. But by and large, I think that everyone was just a good person. And I can't stress enough how important that is in terms of a Having a no asshole policy is yes. so key and so important. And doing your due diligence to try to, like, call around and, and see what people's reputations yeah. are and who you're talking to. <laughs> Making yeah. sure you're aware of who you're totally. asking, too. It, totally. it shocks me how frequently people don't understand that that's the case. And it's the same with casting and and with talent Mm -hmm. because we are now finding Mm. that there are people who, you know, the network is is just a flat no. It's just like there is not, life is too short. Wow. And I think that people, both writers, actors, everyone involved in this don't fully understand the extent to which people talk. You get a reputation. Sometimes they're probably a little unfair and that's why I think you need to do your due diligence Mm -hmm. and find out were there extenuating circumstances? Mm-hmm. Was this, a, you know, a toxic environment, you know, right. et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, just being being a decent human being goes a long <laughs> way in this industry. Yeah. yeah. It's hard enough, right? Why yeah. surround yourself with people? It should be fun. Exactly. It really should be fun. Right. I, I mean, I would also add, like, I 100% agree that it should be fun. But I also think that, like, just like that also translates into the bottom line, like just like time and like people's energy is like such a finite mm-hmm. kind of resource. Like if you're stealing a lot of time with like antics or kind of whatever, like you are like actually like hurting what ends up on the screen because it's like, yeah, like it's just hard. There's so much to do that yeah, like, yeah. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Lauren, let's talk a little bit about that and uh, some of the rooms you were in before becoming a showrunner. Uh, what did you learn Again, you mentioned taking good and bad from some of these yeah. rooms. What what was some of the good that you learned from rooms you've been in? I mean, honestly, I've been very lucky to work with a lot of lovely people. And so that's inspired me to want to continue to only work with lovely <laughs> people. Um, and I've definitely been in, you know, a bit of chaos. My first job was a show that got canceled after nine episodes, and it was crazy. Um but it was good, and I've acquired so many great friends from that experience because mm-hmm. when you're in the trenches together, you're like, what's happening? I don't know. <laughs> and I was so green at the time, too. I was just so excited to get to write anything. So even though we were, like, group writing at 3 in the morning, I was like, wow, this is going to get made because oh it has gosh. to because we're going to shoot it, like, tomorrow. <laughs> um, so that was helpful that I was so green that I didn't know any yeah. better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've had really great mentors, not just in showrunners, but in other writers um, that were more seasoned than I was mm-hmm. when I was coming up. And I was lucky, you know, on Chuck, Chris Fedak and Josh Schwartz let me go into post a lot. We went to set all the time. I wrote a bunch of those episodes. And that was so invaluable. So I'm a big proponent of trying to teach and mentor other writers. And I think it's your job as a showrunner to do that and do the best you can with that. I think the thing that's kind of become challenging is these shorter orders. So my show's 10 episodes. And um, this season, we had a little bit more time to write in advance of production, which I asked for, which was a gift. But then also, it, it makes it harder for writers to go to set. And so I had to fight and you know, and ask the studio for more money to allow for them to go mm-hmm. to set, which you can do. Um, it's a thing and you have to take it from your budget, I realized. Mm. And I didn't know to even, I didn't know that until I asked. And then I realized if you start to ask for certain things, 
eventually you actually can get that, which I yeah. would, you know, I think it's so important. And, it, and we shoot in Toronto too. So it became more expensive to um, allow those writers once we had wrapped the room to go to set. That's great. Can I ask, this is like so inside, but like where in the budget does that come from? Your show budget. But, so but what, I, what, uh, well, you're pulling it off the screen if it's not okay. already in your writer's budget. Gotcha. You know, there's like a certain chunk of change that's divvied up a certain way. And then you can start to pull from different pieces, sure. you know, like from your visual effects budget or from, you know, costumes or something. You know, you can start to pull that <laughs> you off. Can and so, find it. yeah. And so it could mean, you know, the argument against it is it could mean that your show's maybe not going to look as good or right. can't do that location or what have you. Is it the kind of thing, though, that now knowing that you could build into a writer's budget or would that never fly? I mean, I don't know. It's the studio and how they manage the money and the, what the line producer's really doing is just like a bit of a... They're wizards, I right? Just, yeah. There's they have always, cauldrons and shit. Here's the thing, though, I found. We always have money left over at the end of the day. And I would really prefer that we don't. I want to go a little over and be like, sorry. Um, Do you want that out there? Yeah, but instead it's always... Yeah, uh, yeah. But, no, but you know, I, I take your point Within sure. reason. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to pull back on your storytelling you don't want to be afraid to tell certain stories and so it's a little bit of a confusing process when you're in charge of that because you don't really know I don't anyway like fully deeply where the money is fully going yeah and so it's a bit of a conundrum in that regard and so when someone says you're over budget you have to trust in that and you have to adjust but then at the end of the day at the end of the season when they say somehow we managed to find all this money you know, it gives you pause. Yeah. So I will say that the thing that I um, that I was definitely very happy about is that when everyone was saying you shouldn't put more money into these writers in any situation, whether it was extending writers or letting them go to set, which meant that they stopped working and then started working again, which right. makes them costlier. Yeah, I was like, they're writers. This is where it starts. And so, and I was grateful and I am grateful that the studio allowed that to happen because I'm sure there are a lot of studios that wouldn't. But I'm just seeing more and more now writers aren't afforded the opportunity to go to set and learn. And then you're not, I think, ultimately as good of a writer in TV and it's not your fault. Yeah. It's just because you've never set foot on set. You've never talked to a director. You've never seen the actors. You don't know how the machine fully works. And once you do, though, you really, I think, become a just a better writer for yourself because you can visualize it. Absolutely. And you know, too, that what's in your head doesn't always directly translate, and that's okay, and it can yeah. be a lot better if you let other people do their jobs very well. Yeah, I'll say, um, you know, for any execs listening, <laughs> yeah. we are doing a great disservice to a generation of TV writers yeah. because of this system that we've fallen into because of the way streaming works. Yeah, right? and for any execs listening, I totally stand budget. <laughs> I never go over. We have so much money left over at the end of the day. It's fantastic. It's been very, very responsible. Um, let's talk about. Um, so you went. You were on Chuck for how many seasons? Three. Okay, and then Shield for a couple. Three as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, were those wildly different rooms? Did you take different things from those rooms? They were different in that. Chuck, I started on season three, and so that was a well-oiled machine sure. coming in. Then all, and I was predominantly with a bunch of co-EPs and mm. EPs. Then they all left because Chuck was always on the bubble, um, so no one really believed it would ever come <laughs> back. And then it just kept chugging along, um, and so they all left because their contracts were up, and they took other jobs on hiatus, thinking Chuck wasn't coming right. back, and then it came back, um, and that afforded me a really good opportunity to just suddenly I was a staff writer and I 
was like, you know, last one standing. Um, And so then a bunch of new writers came in and I got to work with a totally new staff. Um, And then, so that was a very different experience and it was more, you know, comedy driven. Mm -hmm. We laughed a lot and it was, was, we said gross things. Um, (laughs) But, and then (laughs) Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was different in that it was a first season. Hemlock Grove was also a first season. And so, First seasons are hard, I think, and you're really trying to figure out your the voice of the show. Together, you're looking to the showrunner for their vision, you know. But there's a bit of them finding it too, because you know it's like you just cast these people and you don't fully know what they can do. And I think you do tend to adjust depending mm-hmm. on what you're seeing. Um, and so, yeah, they're just wildly different experiences, all with lovely people, but mm-hmm. they're different genres. They're different, you know. There's a lot of them were action oriented. Hemlock Grove was horror driven um, and more cable streaming. Right. You know, it was like one of the first Netflix shows. Which also um, must have been a kind of puzzle. Like Netflix had House of Cards, right? And that was kind of it at that point. Yeah, they had House of Cards and they were working on Orange is the New Black okay. too. And I remember so a lot early. of my friends were like, oh, have fun on your web series. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Um, but it was interesting. It's kind of why I was open to going to YouTube mm-hmm. with Impulse and working there because because people disregarded Netflix um, right out of the gate and look at what it is now. And our industry has changed so much. And so with YouTube, I was like, hey, I remember this feels very similar, actually, to season, you know, season one of Hemlock Grove on Netflix. Um, and so and there's so I mean, there's a million streamers now, right. so I don't even know. Um, <laughs> just but yeah. getting to make TV anywhere now. Is yeah. I mean, great, there's just so many everywhere. TV shows, which is cool. It allows you to get to tell small, weird little stories yeah. that. You know, five years ago, people would be like, no, that'll never get made. Absolutely. Now you can put your weird stuff on TV. It's great. Yeah. Um, are you finding, uh, Sarah, as you develop your uh, the memoir mm-hmm. for television, are you finding that door different doors are open than when you wrote it? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it helped me. I was developing the pilot for ABC last mm-hmm. season. So I think that also helped me with staffing this sure. year, too. And we actually, I mean, it was great because we, it didn't get a green light, unfortunately, but we did get to the casting process because it was a um, show about an Iranian family. The network really wanted to make sure that there was actors out there that could play these parts. Um, So that was a whole other layer of like sitting and casting and being like, uh yeah sure this person can play my mom I guess like I don't know, you know it's, it's just, crazy it's such a weird thing I keep saying I'm like someone needs to make a show within a show about the family <laughs> that's like watching the show getting made oh about gosh, them because right? it's such a weird process um but and I think it was actually a blessing in disguise that it didn't go forward because I one casting session I couldn't go to because I was in labor so I feel like oh having a newborn and doing a pilot at the same time would have been I would have hated my baby and I would have hated my <laughs> pilot so it's probably it, it's good the way things worked out but we are in the process of um, redeveloping it so it um, maybe still has cool. life left that's great um, but yeah I think it I, I think it also just made me more sympathetic to the process of what it's like mm-hmm. to develop a show and um, my former life was as a, as a network executive. Yeah. Um, so that also has made it easier for me to be on the receiving end of getting notes because sure. I was giving them for a while. Um, you can cut that part out. I Where feel did like... you work? <laughs> yeah. um, wait, wait, wait. I was, no, because sometimes I feel like... aspect of that? Yeah. No, sometimes I feel like, I, you don't have to cut any of this out, but okay. sometimes I feel like when I go into staffing meetings and people hear that I used to be a network executive, they're worried that that's going to be a problem that's in the crazy. room, like that I'm going to be... Like noting them. No, which it's like is, you have this 
passkey. Like yeah. you have a secret no, language. I think it's it's been really helpful because I feel like you kind of speak the language of the network, yeah. so you kind of understand what they're trying to say. Um, but I actually worked in soap operas too, mm-hmm. so it was like a different kind of a different world than working in yeah. um, prime time. So I. Uh, and I think that that has given me a huge appreciation for being on staff because I always wanted to be a writer when I was an executive. And it felt like, oh, it's so annoying to be the person that's like the thorn in their side, giving them notes, like when all I really want to do is actually be doing what they're <laughs> doing. Um, so I think that, yeah, I, it's really helped me not take it for granted, yeah. the fact that I actually have a seat at the table now. Um, that's great. But yeah, and it, I, and just appreciating the fact that I didn't really enjoy my job as an exec. So it's also nice to finally get sure. to be doing what I want to be doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I found that it was helpful in the development process because I wasn't too panicked by notes. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I want to follow up on something and then sort of open it to all of you, which is uh, you mentioned when writing Americanized and then adapting it, you're dealing with the lives of real people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the best writing we can do is honest writing. And often that's mining ourselves, at least for real emotions, if not real situations and people. Um, I'm new to the latter (laughs) and mining real people. Um, I'm curious to hear about the conversations that you had uh, with your family as you're writing about them. And then as you translate that to a more fictional version for television, how do you start to not make it them? Um, you know, writing the book, I think, was actually easier because it was like they couldn't really argue with the truth that much. Um, and I feel like for the most part, people that have read the book have had really nice things to say about my family. So I feel like they I showed them in a positive light yeah. and a real the, their true selves. Um, I think none of them have read the pilot um, because I was a little bit worried that they would be like, wait, this isn't really right. me. And. Uh, the pilot um, story was the middle child in the family um, discovers that she's undocumented and that mm-hmm. her family's undocumented, which is what happened to me. Um, and like I was a very awkward teenager, but I did have like a group of friends in the pilot. She has no friends because that feels like it's right. a bigger obstacle for a TV character. Um, so there's things like that, that like changes like that. But my parents really got a kick out of like getting to watch casting sessions. Like I would forward <laughs> them great. the links and throughout the entire process, I had to be like, it's really like a one in a million chance that this is actually <laughs> going to go. So you have to manage their expectations too. Um, but yeah, I think the TV version was a little bit trickier because it isn't exactly them because yeah. I you know, that might not be as interesting to some people. Like the way, for instance, I actually found out we were undocumented is not the way that the character finds out in the show. Sure. Um, Were you able in adapting it to divorce the real people from the fictional people? Yeah, I was able to actually. Like I, and I still like it's, sometimes I have to remind myself that it was a pilot about my family because I feel like you're able to sort of take a step back. One of the ways that we did that actually was everybody um, in the current version has their real names except for the my character. Uh-huh. I gave her a different name because also in pitching it, it felt weird to talk about myself in the third person. <laughs> sure. So um, I think that helped give me a little bit of distance from the character too, which was helpful. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Ashley and Bart, let's talk about the, you know, I don't think Yellow Jackets is autobiographical, I'm guessing. Um, but I'm certain there is, you know, honestly, you in it. What is that in that story? Can we have? I'm curious. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the record, neither of us have ever engaged in cannibalism. So uh, that is fictional. But Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> um, I, I will say that I found 
high school to be a, a really intense, you know, in certain ways and sort of trying time as I think a lot of people do. And so particularly because these characters are all girls, um, there was just a lot of of bringing that in my experience to the table. There's also it's funny because I have my my best friend who I moved out here with, um, who I don't know if any of you guys know, Allison Eagle. She <laughs> she now uh, we both came out here to write, and then she uh, ended up on the development track, and so now she. Um, I always fuck up her title. I know, she's the head of comedy and drama at Shondaland okay. now. So she's very much on the other side of the table. But we have been friends since fourth grade. And so there are a lot of really specific moments to her and to me and to our friendship because there's sort of a best friendship in, at the center mm-hmm. of the pilot in the story that seems to amuse her. I was a little bit worried <laughs> about a couple of things. You have to, right? Yeah, but, you know, she's she's really game. That's and great. so um so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of that in there. I think mm-hmm. that there is a lot of and I, I feel like a lot of the people we work with are now like, you know, asking us, you know, which one of these characters is you know, are you? And I'm like, well, you know, all of them. Right. I they guess. all are. And none of them are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah I mean, um, I definitely feel like everybody I've ever like, I mean, like I'm trying to like cycle through. But like, yeah, like I guess I do like try to have it like not like autobiographically like accurate but like yeah like i think it's a little bit like the thing that i was groping to describe about um the way that i view my job on like somebody else's staff is like i've got to find something in this character where i can sort of like see the world like as them Mm -hmm. like a little bit like which i mean that sounds so lame but um but it's true yeah that's that's the job yeah yeah. i Um, think is the other reason that i have like a conflicting uh, relationship with like uh, writing is like every time I talk about it I'm like, Guys, shut <laughs> up. like no I wish we could keep going for another hour no joke I mean, you all are terrific but we do need to wrap up um, I'm going to ask you what you are watching these days what's getting you excited or inspired what are you talking about with your room your loved ones uh, your 21 month old baby <laughs> Lauren let's start He's with just you. like garbage truck garbage truck garbage truck <laughs> And I'm like, that's a good that show. Up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> CBS, all access. Full season. Uh, yeah. Um, I, well, I mean, I feel like Succession and Fleabag are the big ones that everybody loves and they should. Yeah. Um, I really like Babylon Berlin, which is on mm-hmm. Netflix and its next season's coming out soon. I heard it's um, great. I haven't it's started really it It's really good. And I really like Dark also on Netflix, which deals with time travel in a pretty grounded way. And, Could not um, stop watching it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really nice to see international shows yeah. and and be able to have, you know, something like that that we wouldn't normally get access to. Yeah. Um, so. I will add, because I, I recommend Dark and I haven't gotten to recommend it on the podcast yet. Yeah. For anyone watching Dark, you can't be on your phone. No. There's so much to track. It is so confusing. <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it really, because between, I just started season two and I watched season one a while ago. Oh, forget it. And they had a recap, but <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And yeah. like, I had to sit alone with myself for a while being like, wait, who, what? Yeah. It's very confusing, but it's nice to be that engaged because it is easy to watch stuff now and like scroll yeah. on your phone, which is disheartening for what we all do. <laughs> right. So it's nice to be forced to like have to like watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Sarah? Um, I would say Succession mm-hmm. is the obvious answer, but it was really good, and I thought the finale of the second season was oh, really so good. Um, and I'm still catching up on some old shows that are gone now. Like, I, I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and I'm watching the final yeah. season of it. So um, and I just started watching Unbelievable on mm-hmm. Netflix, which is tough, yeah. but it's really, really good and very well done. Great. 
Ashley? I I have been avoiding watching really good shows <laughs> because I think I just need to turn my brain off a little bit more. And when I watch something that's great and has any sort of relevance to what we do, it's almost impossible to turn <laughs> off the analytical yeah. part of your brain. So we are we are a full season behind on Succession, mm-hmm. and I'm just yelling at everyone not to give me spoilers <laughs> constantly. Um, so we we've actually been rewatching Friends, absolutely, um, because it is it is really charming in a lot of ways. It's yeah. interesting to watch it now and see how flawed it is in mm-hmm. certain ways, but and it's just easy. You know, it's 22 minutes. Yeah. You can just yeah. pop one on and it goes relax down easy into the world yeah. of Chandler and and yeah, I. I I realize now how great Ross is. I never knew that. I don't really? Think I, are you sure? Ross? I had the opposite <laughs> feeling. He has that breakup thing. MVP of that. They're on a break. Of that. You are yeah, crazy. we're on a break <laughs> thing. It's so crazy. I, we, my I, wife I and I rewatched. Specifically talking about Schwimmer. Like Schwimmer is yes, fucking he's really great. great on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They're actually all sort of terrible people, so that's interesting. And then we not started, Joey. <laughs> we we managed to offend all of our friends because we started playing the game of like which friend Absolutely. are you, and it turns out no one wants to be any of them. No. Like you're going to immediately <laughs> offend everyone you talk to by being like, "Oh, you're kind of a Joey Chandler hybrid," and they're like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. um, but I will That's say, the, my favorite show probably of the past five years was Pen Fifteen. Mm-hmm. I thought it was yeah, so, so good, so good. good. good one. Uh, yeah, um, I'm I'm in the same boat as Ashley. Um, trying to think of but i haven't been uh, watching anything that is like secret um <laughs> so i like i guess i will add um part of because like i think also like a part of my like uh feelings about uh, writing are informed by just before we started uh, to do the pilot um we wrote like three episodes uh concurrently so we're just like on hmm. draft for like a decade <laughs> um and um i like uh, uh, watching Friends, I would get almost uh, a weepy just by like, just like uh, uh, being like, this was a script that was finished. It was done. They did it. And it all worked out. And just like, just like that, like comforting feeling of being like, yeah, scripts get, mit- uh, I just get finished sometimes. Which is like, really, like, like a really like, nice feeling. That is amazing. Um, I will recommend, by the way, we, we, my wife and I rewatched Friends a couple years ago. Uh, she had never seen it. Oh, wow. Uh, which oh. was fascinating to watch That's with so her. Fun. Wow. Yeah. She was like in a coma in the 90s. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, happened. Is she okay? <laughs> She'll be okay. Yeah, she yeah. Um, we were watching Cheers now, which we had both oh, seen a lot right. of. And yeah. boy, oh boy, does that hold up. Yeah. So like, good. That is wow. maybe a perfect wow. show. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for being here. Thank I really you. appreciate thank it. You. I wish we had another hour to chat. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. (coughs) 